0: Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. If you are a homeschool mama challenged by doubt, not sure if you can do this homeschool thing, if you are a homeschool mama challenged by overwhelm, there are just too many things to do, or if you are a homeschool mama looking for connection and encouragement, then this is the podcast for you. I'm Teresa Wiedrich from CapturingTheCharmedLife.com and I'm here to encourage you in your homeschool journey. So let's turn our homeschool challenges into our homeschool charms. Today, I get to introduce you to Erin Fleming. Erin is an experienced facilitator and coach serving parents as they navigate their relationships with their children. As an unschooling parent-preneur, with three kids, Erin uses nonviolent communication and self-directed philosophies to bring peace to her own busy life, and she is enthusiastic to share these techniques with others. She strives to understand the beautiful needs beneath all expressions of feelings and offers support to parents as they make choices and navigate life's complexities with connection and warmth. Welcome, Erin. So it's a real pleasure to have you here. I've heard about you before, and I've learned that we actually have a lot of similarities in our focus for homeschool moms. And so I want to introduce you to our community. Would you share a little bit about yourself and your homeschool family, where you came from? Well,
1: thank you so much for inviting me here today. Um, My name is Erin Fleming, and I am on Instagram as Meta Mentoring, M-E-T-A Mentoring. And my homeschooling story, I think all of us have these really interesting homeschooling stories. And it's almost like sharing like a birth story, right? You know, yeah. how it all happened and sort of bonding over similarities. Um, but my, my story into homeschooling, um, I started off, I think I've always been interested in learning. And, you know, when I look at my educational background and some of the jobs that I've had, it's, it's really focused on, you know, how do people achieve what they want to achieve Um and, and really sort of flourish. And before I went into homeschooling, I was actually a teacher. And when I was on maternity leave with my son, I was reading a lot of books about, um, I guess it was just generally about parenting. I was thinking about what kind of parent do I want to be? What are my values? Um, and I was really drawn to attachment theory. Um, so that led me into attachment parenting. And At the same time on my maternity leave, I was thinking about going back to work as a teacher. And I was also reading a lot about um, like how to support all different types of learners, like how to really help the kids in my class who I suspected were ADHD. I taught kindergarten at the time. And in Ontario, we didn't really test for ADHD until later. So, you know, how to support the kids who have ADHD, how to support the kids who have anxiety, how to support the kids um who are on the autism spectrum um so as i was thinking about you know what sort of things can i do in the classroom the two worlds started to meld together and i found myself practicing a lot of self-directed education techniques in my classroom i loved the results i was also doing a lot of gentle parenting techniques in the classroom i loved the results and by the time I was on my second maternity leave with my second child, um, my son was four years old and that was the age when he could start to go to school. And I, I just sort of thought, you know, he's a really sensitive kid, he's still napping. Um, I could really push him to hurry up and be done with diapers, but, you know, he was doing pull-ups at the time and it just, it felt like, you know, I could do all of this pushing, or I could just really enjoy this mat leave and we could just say, you know what, we'll, we'll start school a little bit later. And I think because I was a teacher, I knew that the mandatory school age was six years old. So I had some time um, and I was really drawn to unschooling styles. And I think by the time, by the time that year was up, I, I was really wanting to try something different Mm -hmm. not just for my kids, but also for me. I was really curious Mm -hmm. to explore self-directed education um, in a a context outside of the public school system. Mm -hmm. So I took an extended personal leave and I started to create some educational programs in my community Mm -hmm. that were based in unschooling styles or self-directed education styles. So uh, we started with a forest school, And then we also did a school that, um, we called it school, but, you know, it was, it was a recreational program, but, you know, we tried lots of different things and I, I loved the opportunity to learn in community. Um, and I think that was a big guiding factor for me in our unschooling journey and our homeschooling Mm -hmm. journey, you know, finding other folks that are interested in similar things. Um, And so right now with the pandemic, we haven't been running any programs (laughs) here in Ontario. We're in our, let's see, is this our third stay-at-home orders? I think it is our third stay-at-home orders. So it's been kind of a wild year and uh, yeah, so my kids right now, I've got three kids now. I've got an 11-year-old boy, well, he's almost 11, an eight-year-old girl and a four-year-old girl. And Um, while I give my kids the option to go to school whenever they wish, if they would like, Um, I think they recognize they've got a pretty good thing going and have no interest (laughs) at this point in time in going to school. I think think especially once we get out of COVID and we can kind of get back to having those large play groups or those large friendship circles, I think uh, that will solidify it for them again that Yeah,
0: this is a pretty nice life. So tell me, I've heard you use um, almost interchangeably homeschool. At certain points, you referred to homeschool, but you're interchanging unschooling and self directed learning or education. And Mm -hmm. even in my recent writing, I'm uh, really grappling with which word do I choose? Because I must (laughs) say that I know that unschooling has um, a stigmatized energy around it in the conventional world or in the conventional educational world. And yeah. where self directed learning they, they understand. And yeah. it certainly speaks volumes to me about what it means. But are they the same thing to you or do you see them differently?
1: Um, you know, it's funny. It dep- I, how I describe what my family does really depends on who I'm speaking to. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that sounds um, familiar. <laughs> yeah, like at the grocery store, um, when I'm at the grocery store with my kids in the middle of the day, and someone asks why aren't you in school you know my kids will pipe up and say oh we're homeschooled you know that's something that's a phrase that most people understand what it is um when i'm speaking with other homeschoolers um then i might share that we unschool um just to sort of let them know that we're not really following a curriculum this is very much consent based learning um, And then sometimes when I'm talking to other teachers or folks in education, um, I'll, or even sometimes entrepreneurs, they might have a little bit of a sense of what self-directed education might be like. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll switch over and use that term. Um, But yeah, it really depends on who I'm speaking to and what they might um, be open to hearing, really. Yeah, Um, right. Like, I, I'm not actually particularly fond of the term unschooling myself. I just recognize that that seems to be what most people are using for, to label what our family is doing. Um, it's really, for us, learning through living, um, the projects that the kids want to take on, the, the things they want to explore, the activities they want to pursue. That's the direction we take our learning And I think because I was a teacher before turning to homeschooling and unschooling, it felt really natural for me to not get stressed out about finding a curriculum. I already had a sense of, uh, you know, maybe this sounds a little, (laughs) a little pessimistic, but I already felt like the, the curriculums are kind of arbitrary and every kid is different. And, um, you know, I I didn't feel this need to be bogged down in doing a particular style. And I also recognized again, I think because I had already taught quite a few kids that every kid is at a different level. Mm -hmm. And so even like the grade levels don't really matter. It's really just about developing the skills in a way that's meaningful to the learner, to the kid. And so I I think that I was quite fortunate in my start to to homeschooling and unschooling, because I didn't feel that, that sense of panic that I think some families feel, you know, what sort of curriculum are we going to do? How are we going to
0: structure our day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get it from their perspective, certainly from mine early on, but how do you, well, hands off. That's the key yeah. is try to be hands off. But having said that, It's really easy to say that, to tell someone to do that, but how to actually do that. It's a process of unraveling a preconception about what an education really is and how it should manifest specifically for that, you know, your child specifically.
1: Yes, exactly. And that de-schooling process, I don't think that ever goes away. Right. Um, you know, in some ways, I feel really lucky that I was a teacher and there were some things that I probably didn't have to, done, to de-school around, you know, that grade level, um, even, you know, grading someone, you know, that comparison. I, you know, to me, it really didn't matter. Um, and in Ontario, at this point in time, we don't have to adhere to um, strict guidelines about, you know, tracking grades and that sort of thing. Um, so I had some freedom there, but then there were other things that, uh, would, would creep up on me and continue to creep up on me. Um, one example that happened this year, this January, my, um, my daughters wanted to, to dance ballet in our, in our bedroom and in the master bedroom. Um, and so we had on, you know, outfits that looked really graceful. And I said to the girls, would you like to take, Dance classes, and they looked at me like, "Are you crazy? We're already dancing right now." <laughs> and I thought, "Oh, okay, yeah, that was my misunderstanding." You know, did you want to take some sort of um, lesson to to discover a certain style of dance? And you know, they were like, "No, we're just enjoying dancing." <laughs> and it it was eye opening to me to think that as soon as they had this interest in dance, that I might suddenly think therefore they need to take a specific lesson instead of just letting them enjoy the moment and explore with their bodies and practice different movements with different types of songs. So yeah, the, the de-schooling process, (laughs) I think it will always be a part of my homeschooling unschooling journey because, you know, I grew up in an educational system. I, that's what I was used to. That's what I was socialized in. And so there's lots of little pieces um, that pop up. And thankfully, my kids point out those little pieces for
0: me so that I can start to let go of some of my schoolish ideas. Yeah, I agree. And you never really lose that process. In fact, um, even when it feels like you're reading all the books and you're being coached by someone and you're online with 20,000 other people on a Facebook thread, it still is something almost like a muscle you have to flex. Over the course of my 15 years and I continue and there's certain elements of it that I have a hard time letting go altogether. So I agree with you. Um, You had said on your website, you said my hope for you to the unschooled or to the mom that comes to your site for some coaching or encouragement, you say whether you are wishing to deepen the connection you have with your children, embarking on your child's self-directed education journey, or looking for guidance to navigate a major life change, as a parenting coach and unschooling coach, I share processes to help you navigate what is in front of you with gentleness and clarity. And I just think that is so beautiful and so reflective of the... um, the energy that you provide for us or the way that you inhabit your space on Instagram and here. And also it reflects the things that I've learned through the book, nonviolent communication, but Mm -hmm. nonviolent communication is a book by Marshall Rosenberg that had a huge impact on my marriage. Yes. And it's on my homeschool mama reading list for wellness. It, is a huge book. And although I've kind of tapped into it naturally with my children, I would love to hear what are your specific tips or approaches that would translate from that book or the practical things that maybe you actually do on a day-to-day basis that you would share with us because it's a powerhouse of a book for relationships.
1: Yeah, it really is. And I think this is where you and I have so much overlap in, you know, what we want to share with the world. Um, I love the book. I have read it. I don't know how many times, and my copy of the book is highlighted (laughs) and stick it notes sticking out and crumbs in the pages because it's been packed along on picnics and family vacations. Um, I think as much as I love the book, I actually think Learning some of the concepts, it can be really tricky. It's Um, work. It's a big shift from the culture that we live in, shifting to this non-judgmental space. Um, Unless you have, well, I think unless you have others who are also trying to make that shift and practicing that kind of language, it can be really tricky. And I think that for parents. And for myself, um, it's a combination of having self-awareness and developing Mm self-compassion. So, you know, if you think if you if you just had one, if you just had the self-awareness piece, um, you know, maybe you would still be judging yourself and I'm not doing this right or I'm not good enough. Um, and likewise if you if you just had self-compassion, maybe you would be thinking, oh well, you know, I'm 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 doing my best and not really paying attention to some of the things that maybe, maybe it would be helpful to have more connection or or to improve in a certain area. So I think it's a combination of the two. And I think it fits so well with homeschooling um, communities, because a big part of it is actually slowing down Mm -hmm. and slowing down to recognize, okay, what am I feeling? And within NVC, the feelings are indicating needs. And so those needs are either needs that are met, and those feelings are usually the good feelings, um, or feelings that are unmet or are in the process of being met. And those are usually the feelings that are like sadness or anger or frustration. And within NVC, the feelings aren't actually labeled good or bad. I know I just shared a good or bad label here. But within NVC, they're all just ways that our, our body is communicating to us. They're all the ways that um, are indicating, oh, I, I, I would really love to have this need met. I My energy um, is wishing to go in this direction. So I think for families who are homeschooling, um, this works really well because there's space and time within a homeschooling daily life to go slow enough to do those check ins. That was actually a big pull for me. Um, I hadn't discovered NVC at the time, but it was a big pull for me to actually make that full commitment of no, you know what? I really do want to leave my job and try something different because as much as I was interested in sharing NVC in a classroom, I I knew that my personal journey, (laughs) I wouldn't be able to to walk the talk, I guess. I needed to really kind of go a little bit slower, go a little bit deeper. Um, I love having lots of time to set our own schedule at home or to throw out our plans. If there's some sort of disagreement that comes up, we can really slow it down, um, check in with everyone and take our time. And also, you know, for me as a parent, and I know your book shares this too, um, but you know, if there are days where I'm just feeling like I am done, you know, recognizing that in myself, not pushing Mm -hmm. myself, just, you know what, I think it's time to go a little slower today. We're going to back it up. Tonight's going to be a frozen pizza night, you know, just whatever we need to do, to stay in connection with ourselves. And I actually think those are great skills for our kids to, to see in us, see us modeling and see us living. Um, because I have more to give my kids when I'm feeling
0: um, recharged and energized, so. Yeah, and frankly, you're setting an atmosphere uh, yeah. whether you want to be or not. And uh, like I shared with a mom yesterday, but I'm not saying that because you need to set this atmosphere that when you aren't, then you should feel bad because you're a human being. So you're going to have this breadth of emotion and experience of emotion, these uncomfortable feelings. And it is just your rite of passage of being a human. So you need to allow yourself or accept accept yourself in all the messiness. And then accept that you're not always going to hit it, but also agree that growth is the goal. And if you are going towards that growth mindset, or if you're focusing on maybe one area, because I find it much easier to focus on one uncomfortable emotion at a time, and then say, okay, what's my goal, I want to be less reactive, or less, um, you know, reactive in whatever scenario. So then how am I going to engage this specifically? And I would love to hear what your actual thought is right there. Like, how do you get to the place where you're not so reactive and you actually do say, okay, I can disconnect my immediate reaction to whatever the scenario is, purposely make a choice, like be proactive instead of reactive. Yeah, that's such a big process. Um,
1: I think making a change from being reactive to something that's more proactive, I think it's many steps and it takes a lot of patience. Um, I think the first step is just realizing, you know what, I'm, I'm recognizing that I have this reaction and it's not really in line with my values. I, I would really like for something different. So just reflecting like that first piece, just reflecting on what, what would you like? What, what would be your ideal? Um, that's a big step in itself. Um, so then after you've identified where it is you'd like to go, then comes the messy, uncomfortable learning part <laughs> that takes a lot of patience and self-compassion. And that part involves, um, it, it, it almost involves sort of getting into that same situation where you feel triggered, going through, you know, that habitual response that, pops up and happens so quickly and then afterwards circling back and thinking about what happened what was I needing in that moment and holding that need in that moment with a lot of care Uh, what need do I wish I could have also held with care in that moment and having compassion for both where you're at and where you'd like to be um it might also involve if if your reaction um a disconnection with the other person, or um, it was in a conflict, you might find that you need to circle back and have a proactive conversation about, you know, what you were feeling in the moment, what you wished you could have accessed. Um, And I think that each time we go through those habitual responses, you know, we're going to get a chance to learn about it from all these different angles. And if afterwards, each time we're reflecting and holding ourselves with compassion about where we are right now and where we would like to be, slowly, we're going to bridge that gap and get those where we are and where we want to be. We'll move closer together and um, going back and having those proactive conversations with the ones that we love. Um, To maintain that connection, that's a big part of it too, understanding their perspective and how our reaction was received. Um, So after going through a lot of learning and having a lot of patience and the learning can feel messy, it can feel slow. I I know a lot of folks feel frustrated that, you know, they see other people doing this. Why can't they? Um, I think after a lot of learning and reflection, one day you will be in that moment where you get that trigger. And instead of going down that habitual pathway, you'll just have this moment of, oh, I see where I am in this moment. And you'll be able to access something different. Maybe it won't be exactly what you wanted, um, but just, you know, you've slowed it down enough that you can start to choose a different strategy and that to me is the celebration. That's the point
0: where, okay, now you're going to start to see things moving along a little bit faster. Absolutely. And I have been there, done that in my own world. And I imagine you have too. Um, that act of really the, the space between your reaction, your typical reaction, and um, you know just taking a breather. And it, for me at moments when I've been angry, I've learned that anger is just a tip of an iceberg. It really is just a cover of whatever is at the base of that iceberg. And that iceberg could be anxiety, which I often often think that uh, anger covers anxiety, uh, fear about something. But it could be obviously all sorts of unmet needs. But I've learned that that space right there, when I catch myself and I say, just breathe, you can think your angry thoughts inside your head don't say them out loud, just let it be there. And then just say, okay, what's the best thing right now? Practicing that is very difficult. It, it the, the beginning pause is so hard to, to shift in a certain direction. But when you begin to do that, it's like yoga practice or anything athletic practice. The more that you do that movement, the more it seems like you're becoming just a little bit more flexible that way. And that actually is backed by neuroscience. You are actually developing more neural networks or a neural network that actually is getting solidified. So if you grew up in a scenario that taught you to A, not feel your feelings at all, or to address people's feelings, or maybe only one or two people in the family were allowed to have feelings, and you shut your feelings down um or you watch people engage in a way that was super unhealthy although i think we all are on that spectrum then i think that we learn patterns in an unhealthy way and it takes a lot of effort to to put that pause between your reaction the one that you aren't proud of or the one that you say that just like you said that's not consistent with my values so that's not how i really want to show up Yeah. yeah
1: Yeah, I, I love what you're sharing right now. Um, and it's reminding me that part of the process is practicing when we're calm. Right. You know, we, we're not going to develop those neural pathways when we're in this heightened state, when we're feeling triggered. And so that's why you might have to backtrack and reflect after the fact and build that neural pathway after the fact when things are calm. And like, that's really the process is, you know, when things are calm, you are working on that neural pathway and making it stronger. And then one day you're going to be in the moment where you're triggered. And instead of that neural pathway going right down the path of the habitual pathway or what you've learned in your family or in our culture, instead of going in that direction, you will have made that other alternative so strong that you'll have a choice. And that can
0: feel really empowering to know that that's a possibility. You are in um, control of how you're engaging. Yeah. yeah. And And really, you are, even the subtle choices that you make within your family, just like throwing a little pebble in an ocean, it may not be a big ripple, but it is a ripple. And it starts to affect everybody. And, you know, there are scenarios that I will say that if it is, I don't know, I don't want to maybe speak to a specific scenario but there are scenarios that we know we need to put a pause on a relationship and we need to say well I need some distance I need to know what's going on here and how I'm engaging how the other person is engaging but when you have people that are in a growth mindset the big people the big influencers in your family then mm-hmm. they have a ginormous impact we have a ginormous impact on all the others in our family system Mm -hmm. and bigger, I don't think there's a bigger thing that we teach our kids. I would like it to be geology or I would like it to be, (laughs) uh, you know, pathophysiology or something that I have experience in. I don't know why I said geology. I have no experience really. (laughs) My son is studying it right now as we're talking. So, you know, um, whatever your expertise is, they are valuable. They mean something. It's beautiful to share your interests. But the biggest thing in homeschooling is this. That's also the hardest thing in homeschooling.
1: It is. And, you know, I think I really celebrate the fact that this is the biggest thing that your kids could potentially walk out into the world with, because these are the skills that you need in every human interaction right? Because you're, you're going to bump up against um conflict, and some are going to be small conflicts, some are going to be big conflicts, you know, we don't always perceive the world the same way. And we're walking around with different needs. And people have different ideas about the strategies that would best meet these needs. And so having a skill set to navigate yourself in the world, that's so empowering, you know, knowing that, okay, I know how to navigate a conflict or I'm feeling really triggered, but I, I know the next step, maybe not the whole picture, but I know what the next step might be for me. And so I think, you know, that to me, and in fact, that's actually what I have sort of considered to be the curriculum in my family is, you know, I just, I really want us to be, you know, great communicators. I want us to be able to navigate conflict, get creative, when we're in conflict, you know, find ways to collaborate together. And to me, that's so valuable. And I don't know if it's just because of my educational background, but I see it as being valuable, not just with our interpersonal relationships and our family. But, you know, when you go out into the world, and you know, you're working with different people, hearing people differently is a great skill to have. And, that is possible when you've got a real sense of your
0: own self so i think it's a really valuable skill to spend time on and to focus on which i think means that we have to have an understanding about ourselves Mm -hmm. and and that self-exploration it sounds kind of gratuitous like it's an extra thing on top of all the other things that we're already doing as homeschool moms but actually, I think it's the base. I think it's the very base thing. So if you understand who you are or how you interact with your world or what you think is valuable, and you begin, to, then you want almost to begin understanding the people in your sphere. I know I've, I've got a fascination right now with Enneagram. I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram, <laughs> but I'm finding the probably it's a little more effective in my approach with understanding people and helping other people understand other people because it discusses the base need or it discusses the base one person said dysfunction but also maybe what we find most valuable or what we're Mm. searching for but in kind of an unhealthy way Mm. and and when we understand that and also healthy ways of course we understand that aspect too but it's not usually the healthy ways that rub against other people's healthy ways. So when we understand what our core needs or desires are, and we understand our partner's core needs or the significant people in our world, our children, of course, then mm-hmm. we, then we have a greater sense of uh, an ability to listen to them. Yeah, Just listen. Absolutely. I think that entire book is about listening, listening. well.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that when, You can get to the needs level, um, and this is an NBC concept that all human beings, we all actually experience the same needs. Now, some of us might be more focused on one set of needs than another, but if you can get to that needs level, that's where the empathy lies too. You know, we can understand the other person once we have a sense of, you know, what is, what are they after? What are they really trying to meet in this moment? And then we can have empathy for them. When you get to that needs level, um, that's where I think you can access creativity and trying to come up with strategies. So like, this is, these are my needs, these are your needs. So if we hold on to these needs tightly, you know, what might be possible so that we can get everyone's needs met? That's kind of the ideal. Um, So yeah, I agree with you. that getting to that needs level, getting to that core underneath
0: um, spot, that's where the connection lies. And that's really beautiful to me. So I enjoyed listening to you on Instagram. You had an Instagram live about changing habitual responses, which clearly is the discussion that we're having right now. Yeah. Are, there, are there elements that I haven't shared? I think we've kind of,
1: I think we've hit most of it. Um, it was a really I think the tricky part about that overview is that it was kind of high level and that the reality um, is like that learning piece. It can feel like you're walking in mud. It can feel like, when is this going to change? And although that part might feel frustrating, that's also the space where we develop our self-compassion. So the learning might feel difficult, but it's there for a reason, you know, where that's our learning as parents, as people. And I kind of think, aren't we lucky that we get to have this opportunity as homeschooling parents to like, have that be our focus, that we can actually spend time in our lives developing that part of ourselves.
0: That's so, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> and well, none of us signed up for that one.
1: A surprise I have, <laughs> I have I have yet
0: to meet the mom that's like I was here for a little self-awareness study. <laughs> that's not a thing in fact and it doesn't happen in the beginning in a really lovely kind of retreat way that says here's all yes. the things that are going to help you become more aware and more satisfied in your life it's kind of messy but then when you unravel that you actually come to the end of the rainbow did I just mix that metaphor (laughs) rainbows and yarn yes
1: (laughs) um yeah I I hear what you're saying and one of the other things that this brings up for me is that you know our capacity to hold space for our kids in their learning whether it's learning about self-awareness things or just you know learning math concepts our capacity to hold our kids is directly related to our capacity to manage our own yes. feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. working on ourselves actually is, an, by extension, we're creating that safe space for our kids to take on challenges that they find difficult. So it's it's worth it. And it is totally a surprise. You know, a lot of parents think, oh, I'm, I'm going to teach them at home and, you know. Yeah life will just chug along. um, And then you realize, oh, my own feelings are popping up. What is this?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I just wanna stop and say, and really acknowledge this, like for those that are listening, that I absolutely did not know this for solidly seven years of my beginning homeschooling. So, um, you know, the interactions that I had with my kids were very much exactly like that. How do I accomplish a neat and tidy, the day is done, the kids are taught, now we move on to the next thing kind Mm -hmm. of way. And until I had my own enlightening moment where I realized that actually you have needs and you're not even addressing you as a human in this homeschool, you're just trying to constantly do things for other people until I got to that point, And frankly, it felt like I melted, or I hit burnout, or I wanted to put the kids on the bus. Uh, that was actually a useful moment to say, okay, what are we going to do different? Because it can't keep going like this.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Burnout is a real thing. Um, and I'm just, I guess I don't know where to go with that next. Yeah. The burnout piece is really tricky because um, I think that's the piece where some parents will say, well, I don't think that I, that's why I could never homeschool because they they they're not used to trying to or maybe that's an unfair judgment on my part. I, I think it, it's a big challenge trying to figure out how to balance everyone's needs is a big challenge. And it's a bigger challenge when you're not even really sure what your needs are. And you've kind of, you know, when kids are little, um, we can get quite used to, you know, putting our needs on the back burner because, you know, maybe our kids don't have the capacity to sit with unmet needs at that point in time. Um, but as they get older, you want to stretch that capacity and you want your needs to matter too. And that transition can be really tricky because suddenly you're thinking, okay, I have no idea what my needs are. I I know I'm tired, um. And, and then again, that's the point where, okay, it's going slow. It's, it's, it's listening to your body. You know, Your body is going to send you signals about what it might be needing and it's going slow enough and reflecting um, so that you can pick up on those signals. And again, I go back to modeling that for our kids, I think is so important. And I know sometimes I will model it for my kids, maybe not in a really heated moment, (laughs) but in a less heated moment, I'll model it out loud just so that they can get a sense of what my process is. Um, When we were driving the other day, someone cut us off and I just kind of modeled out loud, you know, it wasn't deeply triggering for me. So I modeled out loud what I was feeling and needing in that moment, you know, how that really upset me that that happened. And so I did that self-connection piece first. What am I feeling? What am I needing? And then once I had acknowledged that, I kind of felt settled. Then I modeled having empathy for the other person. I wonder what they were thinking or feeling that caused them to cut me off um, and trying to connect with them just because that's, that's
0: the kind of world I want to live in, that we have more compassion for one another and more empathy for one another. So tell me about that. You've been referring to self-compassion and perhaps it's obvious to some but it's a it's kind of a word out there that's becoming more popular i think for a good reason but would you tell me more about that word what it means and perhaps how you actually use it oh that's a big question actually
1: and i've never been asked to define it <laughs> i think self compassion is like non judgment pointed inwards hmm. so it's recognizing that every action that you're doing is is coming from a good place you're trying to meet some need in you that is really beautiful now the way the strategy you're using to meet that need that might not be beautiful that might be something that you would want to change <laughs> but yeah. having compassion for you know I'm just a human I'm trying to to get these things done and this was the strategy that I had available to me in this moment um Maybe I'd like to be accessing something different, but in this moment, this is what I could pull out of the air. Um, And just, yeah, it's having gentleness for ourselves. And when I think about self-compassion and when I'm most likely to use it, um, within NVC, we talk about uh, this concept of pointing your judgments inwards. And as soon as I catch myself Having a self-judgment, then I want to, you know, really explore that. Why is that self-judgment here? Um, you know, what what need might be beneath that self-judgment? Mm-hmm. And then having a lot of gentleness for that. You know, I, I I think that having like that gentleness piece, going slow, being gentle with ourselves um recognizing our humanity which you do such a lovely job of in your book (laughs) recognizing our humanity and where we're at um and just not expecting perfection from ourselves just recognizing that you know we're all out there trying to figure it out yes (laughs)
0: and uh well, most Another, of us actually. I, I, you know, <laughs> yes, I actually genuinely think that everybody isn't. I think they're mm. trying to, um, some people are so caught in their fears or their pains or their whatever it is that they actually are just trying to anesthetize themselves mm. and not feel the feelings and experience the thing and, you know, go in that growth path and. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe that's an aside, but I, I do think that there are actually people that aren't. But just like you said, if we want to create a world that is compassionate and connected and all of the things that we value, then we have to be that. Yeah. And yet, I, I, you know, as soon as I say that, I go, wait, if I was hearing that right now, I would say, but I can't <laughs> do that all the time. You're right. You can't. That's not the point. It's about honoring that and acknowledging that and saying, I'm on this growth mindset to that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And
1: when I'm thinking about what you just said about folks who are maybe, um, you know, not, not wanting to get in touch with their emotions, I'm thinking that might also be their strategy for figuring out how to survive things. Right. Um, exactly. And and maybe sometimes that strategy is a really great choice too. Like maybe in the moment, yeah, it is. This is not a good time to go really. into the emotions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that the idea is we want to have access to lots of strategies so that we can pick the ones that we think are going to serve us best and and be healthiest for us and for those around us. And I think that is. Yeah, that is kind of the key. And I, I I agree with you that the world probably needs more support in doing that. Um, again, I think what a gift it is to be able to, to have this be a focus within our homeschooling lives, that this could possibly be part of a major part of our learning so that we can go out into the world and not have these things tripping us up as we try to you know, take on projects and achieve the things we want to achieve
0: and flourish in the directions we want
1: to flourish.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. A final question is what is the one thing that you would most want to leave homeschool mamas with?
1: Hmm. This is such a good question. And there's so many different angles and ideas that come up in my mind. I think. I think the biggest one, and it's probably because we've been talking about it, is, like, just be be gentle with yourself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes being gentle with yourself means going slow, uh, tossing whatever plans you thought you were going to achieve that day. Um, Sometimes that means reaching out to a partner or a friend or your community and saying, you know, I need can you help me (laughs) in this moment? I need somebody to talk to, or I need someone to reflect with. Um, And sometimes being gentle with yourself, you know, it it also means connection. So connecting to yourself, connecting to your kids, connecting to your community or your extended family, connecting to nature, you know, those are the things that will fill you up um, so that you can, offer more to the people that you love and, and offer more to the causes that are important to you. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that gentleness and that self-care um, it sometimes go it, sometimes it's an opposition to the messages that we might be receiving in our culture. And I think all the more reason to, to hold it close and to really nurture that because it's important. Um, we get one life and, you know, trying to have a life with as much joy as possible. I,
0: that's my goal anyway. (laughs) Thank you. To get to know you just a little bit more and just in a a different way, I want to ask you, what have you learned alongside your kids this week? Or what memory have you created alongside your kids this week? Mm. Well, um,
1: I know you have chickens, you and I bonded over (laughs) our chicken story. Um, My husband's uncle, uh, he got COVID, and he couldn't look after his baby chicks that um, he had coming for his farm. And so we said that we would look after them because baby chicks require a lot of water and food, and <laughs> they're busy. They have the pasty butt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're pretty busy. Yeah. So we offered to look after his baby chicks for him. Yes. and um, we had them in my daughter's little swimming pool. And, you know, just watching those chicks grow by the day um, was really fun. And it was time for the chicks to go home. But we have a chicken coop and we have one lovely rooster. Um, and we thought, you know, what if what if we tried one more rooster as a baby? Um, if we introduced our new rooster slowly and our, our new little guy is named Jeff. <laughs> and Jeff is still quite tiny. He doesn't have um, his his grown up feathers yet. And this week, I think we've all had a chance to experience what it's like to be a mother hen. You know, Jeff is now by himself. His, his, his siblings have left to uh, to my husband's uncle's farm. And yeah, we're just noticing how, you know, all of Jeff's needs, Jeff needs like he wants to be close. And um, um, when we're in his area, um, he'll follow us around, you know, it it reminds me of baby ducks, some videos that I've seen about baby ducks. So we're having this really cool opportunity to look after Jeff and think about what Jeff's needs might be. And it's just really sweet to see my kids have that opportunity to care and to be nurturing and, you know, essentially to parent, um, this, this little life and, uh, you know, we we could probably turn some things into academics if we wanted to, but really the joy of just contributing to another life feels really beautiful. So I know that Our, our experiences with Jeff this week are probably
0: a highlight. (laughs) We were supposed to get 10 baby chicks today. My son was so disappointed when the farm supply store called and said, I'm sorry, it's going to be a day or two more, but I'm with you. There's something really special about taking care of baby chicks. Um, You know, funny enough, when they become teenagers, they're like little gangly teenagers (laughs) Like right across the animal, you know, kingdom that they kind of get gangly, but they're not quite so cute then
1: we're not at that stage yet. We're still at the stage where Jeff is like snuggly. He'll, you know, he um, will hold him and he'll close his eyes and take a little nap. Um, So yeah, that'll be interesting to see how our parenting has to change (laughs) when Jeff becomes a teenager.
0: (laughs) Hard to know, two roosters together. I will want to know the end of that story. (laughs) Yeah. What's on your bookshelf right now?
1: Ah let me just see if I can pull it up. Um, I, uh, I've only just started it. It is call of the wild by Kimberly Ooh. Ann Johnson. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's how we heal trauma, awaken our own power and use it for good. That's, oh, that's the, uh, yeah. So I, I, this is a, um, part of a book club that I'm, I'm in, and um, we're not very far along in the book club, but we've actually decided we're all either homeschoolers or um, used to to making choices that work for us. We've decided that we're only going to do one chapter every two weeks because we really want to let the, the words resonate with us and see how we respond. And uh, some of the things that have really popped out right away for me um. Is, is the idea about, you know, what do we do when we feel under threat? And, you know, I guess that's part of what's been on my mind as I'm thinking about these habitual responses. And sometimes when we're under threat, you know, we can go into that fight, freeze, uh, flight. But then, you know, there's there's sometimes lesser threats or maybe they're not, the triggers aren't as big. And how do we respond then? And that's the part that I'm really curious about, because that's about developing that self-awareness and recognizing, oh, would I like to be responding differently in these quieter trigger moments? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really curious to see how this book plays out. But that's what's on my bookshelf at this moment. (laughs) Yeah, I'll have to check out
0: that one. That sounds interesting to me, too. Yeah. So how did your name come together for your your business, Meta Mentoring?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that is also an interesting question. I, I didn't actually intend to start meta-mentoring <laughs> um, with, I guess it was a combination of factors. Um, we had to shut down some of the recreational programming that I had been running under the name We Learn Naturally. And my my husband, Steve, he has his real estate license. And I have a a business background in addition to a teaching background. So we thought, well, maybe we'll, we'll, you know, try to bring in a little extra income by working together and I'll do as a service, I'll offer um, folks who are going through changes in moving and making family changes. We'll offer them this service of some coaching support while they're making um, these housing changes. So we were, or, or living, circumstance changes. So we were thinking we would do that. Um, and then when COVID really hit, uh, we kind of looked around and we thought, I don't know if we want to be really focusing our energy on starting a real estate business, at least in March, 2020, things were really quiet during that first lockdown. And, and I thought, well, you know, I've been, I've been doing parent, support I've been I've been offering families who are unsure about how to navigate the public school system or should I homeschool should I not I had been offering those services anyway just quietly on the side just not telling people about it Mm -hmm. and I thought well you know maybe we could maybe I could do that I enjoy doing that work it's easy enough to to switch it over to online um and as we were thinking about or as I was thinking about a name um I liked the idea of meta being mm-hmm. in the name because I liked the idea of, well, I liked all the different meanings that it had, but um, one of them, one of the meanings is like gaming the system. So being able to, to understand how the system works so that you can make choices that work for you. Um, that was one. I also liked the idea of having a different perspective, like a way zoomed out perspective, So that, um, yeah, so that you can understand the connections between things differently. And in terms of mentoring, um, I I liked the idea of mentoring being in the name because everything that I do, I'm learning along with the people who are learning with me. Like I'm a co-learner. Yeah. And I really wanted that to be in the name so that people knew that you know i don't have all the answers i'm learning as well in this big life yeah and i wanted lots of space both to make mistakes and to to be able to share in that learning
0: journey so that's really people- interesting because I yeah. actually I just started switching from saying that I'm a homeschool coach to a homeschool mentor because mm-hmm. of the similar energy or the similar reasons behind that. Because I'm learning alongside with you, and though I obviously I'm sharing because I do believe there's tools to benefit you, I'm learning right alongside with you. When I get to be, you know, when you get to share your story with me, then I am processing everything that you're processing through another person's experience. So it's, it's both very much a privilege to be part of other people's world. And, and I hold it very close to my heart. And also I'm learning right along with people more than they know.
1: Yeah. And I value that learning. I I value that learning so much. It feels like a gift, just what you said. It feels like a gift every time that I get to learn a little bit more about someone's experience or I'm invited into their family in the sense that I, I get to see how things work. Um, I'm honored by that trust. And I, I, I want to hold that with a lot of care and I want to be able to show up sometimes with some of my own things and say, you know, I, I don't have the answers for that. I'm grappling with that too. Um, these are the pieces I, I do know, um, And then, you know, trying to extend, (laughs) extend myself and the resources that I have access to and, and have everyone sort of have that environment of co-learners instead of expert and receiver. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that fits with homeschooling too. You know, we're learning alongside our kids. It's not, you know, maybe we have some skills that our kids don't have, but we're all learning together. So
0: I think it's reflective of that too. So what resources do you have available for homeschool parents? Um, Well, I,
1: I focus a lot on unschooling and because I focus on unschooling, I offer an unschooling for beginners class and I've been told by the folks who have taken my unschoolers for beginner unschooling for beginners class um, that they would like to have um, like a more of a community that meets that continues to meet after the class is over so that will be starting um probably this summer right now my plate's a little full with other <laughs> with other obligations um, and I think one of the things that I love to do is you know just chat with people about where they're at and so I always offer folks um, a complimentary <laughs> initial um, connection chat and sometimes just that within that initial connection chat, you know, I'm always happy to share resources, um, you know, check out this person or I know this person knows how to navigate the system in Quebec, you know, contact them. So I also just like hooking people up with other people that might be a really great fit with them. If I'm not the person (laughs) uh, that has the answers that they might be seeking, I also like passing people along and making sure that, Folks get the support that they need doesn't have to be me <laughs> I uh yeah I I think that I guess you could call it networking I guess that networking piece I find just as enjoyable um, as working with someone myself you know of over a series of weeks
0: so where do um, we the- find you online meta mentoring is that on Facebook Instagram and uh, website or are yes. you also another place
1: No, that, that would be the place to find me. Um, I'm more active on Instagram. I'm just really enjoying the Instagram world. Um, So yeah, within Instagram, it's my handle is at Meta Mentoring, M-E-T-A, and then mentoring. Wow. That really trips me up trying to say that out loud. Um, And then on Facebook, same thing. That's my handle, Meta Mentoring. And then my website is www.metamentoring.ca so yeah those are the places to find me i'm on youtube also um but not very active there but that's where i put all of my videos so anything that you'll
0: find on instagram would also be found on youtube <laughs> well it was a pleasure meeting you officially and finally
1: yeah same Thanks here
0: <laughs> today. yeah we'll have to connect again soon i would love that thank you so much Teresa. And thank you for joining me today. I would love to learn more about who you are, so come on over to our Facebook group, the Homeschool Mama Support Group, or the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Instagram page, so we can support and encourage each other in our homeschool challenges. While you're there, you can check out the book of homeschool encouragement, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Nurturing the Nurturer. If you are a homeschool mama looking for extra support, ask me about the Homeschool Mama Retreat. All the show notes and links of this episode will be found at www.capturingthecharmlife.com. Please subscribe to this podcast and post a review because when you do, you help other homeschool mamas learn more about how to take care of themselves to nurture the nurturer. Until next time... I hope you and your kids have a charmed week, and if you're having one of those days, I hope you can reframe your challenges into your homeschool charms.